Pure Sex Radio, an outreach of Be Broken Ministries, reaches listeners in over 100 countries each week with God's message of hope and healing. As 2023 is coming to a close, will you partner in this global mission to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ? When you financially support this ministry, you're helping people around the world to connect with this gospel message and experience life transformation. We are especially excited about expanding our family care ministry and local church engagement in the coming year. To make your year-end contribution or become a monthly partner, visit BeBroken.org donate. That's BeBroken.org donate. Or call 210-822-8201. Thank you so much for your partnership. We are better together. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Infidelity is devastating. For couples who've experienced this deep betrayal of trust, it can be so hard to imagine that restoration is possible, and even more difficult to think that they could rebuild their marriage into something better than they ever had before. But this is the story of Steve and Lisa Goldberg's marriage and ministry. Steve and Lisa are the founders of Side by Side, a ministry to help couples navigate the unexpected crash of betrayal and how to restore and rebuild their marriage. In today's episode, Steve and Lisa share their own story of brokenness and healing and the key elements of restoration in their new book entitled, The Journey to Stay. They offer a practical message of hope to couples facing the overwhelming difficulty of unfaithfulness. To learn more about Steve and Lisa and their ministry, visit staysidebyside.org. For more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And of course, friends, we would love it if you would rate and review the podcast after listening, as this really does help others to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and our mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now let's dive into today's hope-filled conversation with Steve and Lisa. Well, all right, Steve and Lisa Goldberg, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thank it's you. good to be here. Yeah, and and welcome back being like it's been over four years <laughs> since you guys were last on the podcast and you shared your story and it was pretty exciting because at that point in time, you were, you were really kind of getting into this ministry that you're now doing. Um, but I don't, I don't think it had as well-defined edges as it does now. It seemed like it was kind of this picture, this vision. You didn't, you didn't maybe know exactly what was next, but it's been exciting to see now that you have a book that is entitled The Journey to Stay. And we're going to be diving into that a lot um, today on our conversation. But for our listeners who maybe didn't hear your story four years ago, we've, we've gained a lot of listeners since then. Uh, maybe share a little bit about who you are, how you've gotten to where you are right now, and a little bit about the ministry that you're doing for couples. Absolutely. Happy to share. Um, so we, <laughs> we, we, feel, we find that we are trying to catch up with God. Uh, as far as life goes and, and ministry goes, um, we oddly uh, came to a point in our life that we didn't anticipate, which was the moment that uh, I found out that Steve had been having an affair for almost a year and a half of our marriage, and that was at year six of our marriage. And um, neither one of us were uh, 
following our childhood religions. Steve grew up Jewish. I grew up um, in kind of a lukewarm Christian home and had no uh, plumb line to follow, so to speak. And so very quickly, uh, our marriage unraveled and came to this pinnacle moment of the reveal of his infidelity. And um, and our ministry is really based on what happened in that moment, which um, could only have been by the grace of God that I was able to respond in the way that I did after being reintroduced to him after a long rebellion. And, um, and we tell the story in the book of what happened in that reveal and how we were able to follow God's leading in restoring our marriage and ultimately building a completely new marriage that is now far better than the first one. (laughs) (laughs) So we, uh, we knew, uh, our ministry is called side by side and, uh, we knew shortly after, um, God kept us together, that he wanted us to be vocal about our story. Um, For whatever reason, we really didn't question that at all, Uh, even though it's a topic that is a bit taboo and people would prefer to just kind of brush it under the rug. um, We felt it was important to be obedient and share our story. And so we really have been ever since. And that's almost 15 years ago and eight years of ministry right now. Yeah. So um, tell us then why you wrote this book. I mean, it's one thing to tell your story and kind of go around and talk maybe at churches or different other events, but but to write a book is a whole different venture. Um, tell us why you wrote it. Well, um, you know, pretty early on after the reveal and, and as we were rebuilding our marriage, we knew that we had to share our story. And so I mean, ultimately, in the very beginning of the ministry, we were trying to follow God and say, well, we we believe that he was leading us to share. And so in the early days of our ministry, we created we were a touring ministry. We're both musicians and and we started uh, sharing our testimony through song and story uh, at churches, at conferences. And and um, we were seeing that that people's marriages were being strengthened by this. People were drawing nearer to God. And and ultimately, people started coming to us on the side and saying, hey, you know, I'm going through this too. Can you, can you help? Can you help us? And we're like, well, sure. Uh, Come on over. Like, we'll talk about this. We'll walk through this together. And and so the ministry kind of started organically like that. And as time went on, more and more people started coming to us and, and more and more people were referred to us. And the the level that we could handle, I mean, it was like it was getting to the point where it was too much. At that time, I was working full time as a worship pastor in the church, and I felt that God was leading me out of that and, and into side by side full time. And so we started serving couples full time and realized that we could serve a lot more couples if we had a book out there uh, that could reach more people with a with a message of hope for their marriage. Yeah. So so now talk about like who did you have in mind that you were writing this book for? Because this, like you said, Lisa, this is not necessarily a, a topic that is, hey, you know, this is the first sort of over dinner conversation that you want to have with people. I mean, there had to have been some a very specific couple that you had in mind as you were writing this book, right? Yeah, we ultimately wrote it for 
our past selves, which is most of the couples that we serve. Uh, people who experience this unexpected crash mm. in their lives and don't know where to turn and desperately want to speak with someone who truly understands what it feels like to go through a betrayal, a, a breakdown of a marriage that is opened for betrayal, uh, what that looks like, uh, the the just the process of, of walking through that and how arduous yet exhilarating it really can be. Uh, it's a, it, it's a really, um, I don't know, specific thing that you experience in that, uh, betrayal. And so we, what we tell people is we, we are what we didn't have. Mm. And the first thing that we even went to almost 15 years ago was tr looking for books, um, and finding that at that time, you know, there were probably more, uh, secular books than there were, uh, books that were actually leading you toward a God-centered solution. And, mm -hmm. um, and it was difficult to find one that felt appropriate for us. Um, I think there are more voices speaking, including yours, uh, on this topic openly and, um, giving people a clear message of hope. Uh, but for us, we ultimately wrote it for the people that we are serving, the couples that we're currently serving, the people who would love information from us. And we have been uh, booked up really since COVID. And so uh, we wanted to be able to have something that would get our message out, even though our schedule was getting more and more full mm -hmm. as we were serving couples. Yeah. So, and as we start getting into maybe a little bit more specifics of the book and how you kind of break down the journey, um, can you also help to break down this myth that I think some couples have when they may be listening to a podcast like this and they hear a story like yours that that you you sort of put into, what, about 90 seconds a minute ago um, that was really 15 plus years and it sounds to them like, oh, how good for Steve and Lisa. That you know what? They had this thing blow up in their life. Lisa had this great response. And then boom, it was just, you know, um, rainbows and puppies and ice cream ever since then, right? Can you blow up this myth, first of all, that restoration is just this sort of magical, easy process? Mm. And can you also blow up the myth that the only option when you faced infidelity or betrayal is anything other than restoration. Can you mm -hmm. talk to those two aspects that I think people have the wrong conceptions about? Which one yeah, do you want to take? Out of what you take. <laughs> uh, the, I wouldn't call this an easy road. No. Um, in fact, even on the cover of our book, it's a very windy uh, path. And that's what we found it to be. It is arduous. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, but so is climbing Mount Everest. And I find that people who climb Mount Everest are really happy when they get to the top, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, um, there's something, you know, there's something to the statement when people say that anything worth doing is worth working hard for and that you experience the fruit of that labor. Uh, but it was labor. So as far as the myth of this being, um, kind of an easy road, um, it is, it is not an easy road, but it is a worthwhile, uh, a worthwhile road 
that leads to things that you could never have possibly imagined without, without it. Uh, people sometimes chuckle at me when I say, I genuinely can say that I'm grateful that my husband had an affair. If this was the thing that got us through that and into the marriage that we now have and the life that we're leading, um, serving God through this story, um, okay, I'm okay with that. Uh, and so, yes, it is a difficult road. It is, it is a long road, um, but it's well, well worth it. So as far as that myth goes, um, we can easily bust that. And it's not just for us. Um, while our, our story is ours, right? Uh, it has its own nuances that will just be for us. Uh, it's not exceptional in the sense that God can do amazing things. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes it's especially difficult when, when as Christians, we question God's ability to be able to restore anything. Uh, he's mm-hmm. given us so many, so many stories through his word of the, his clear message that he can restore anything. Mm-hmm. I heard a great quote from uh, Johnny Erickson Tata yesterday. I was listening to a podcast that she was on and she just blew me away with this quote. She said, God permits what he hates, which is things like pain and suffering mm. to accomplish what he loves, mm. which is healing and redemption. And I thought that's a complete, that's a kingdom mindset that is upside down from the way we generally think. So I love what you're saying about, we want to be real about what this journey looks like, but we also want to be honest mm-hmm. about where it is leading, right? It is leading to places, these things that God loves, which is redemption and healing and wholeness. And he will permit, even in that process, pain and suffering and difficult things in order to produce that. So I love that. Steve, can you speak a little bit to this idea of like, there's a lot of couples that when certain types of brokenness happen, such as Mm -hmm. infidelity or these types of betrayals, it is almost universally assumed in kind of our human condition that that can only result in one thing. We have to separate. We have to go opposite ways. Can you speak a little bit to that and how there are other options? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see this all the time, too. Um, And a lot of the couples that we serve, uh, a lot of them come in, they're completely broken. Uh, They can't see even 10 feet in front of them, let alone the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, And yet, you know, working with them and working with them through this difficult time in their lives, uh, you know, it's it's amazing what God can do in a marriage and in your life. I mean, not, not just your marriage. I mean, this affects your whole life when, um, when you submit to him, you know, as, as a Lord over your life. I mean, um, a lot of people are surprised, uh, you know, at our story or they'd say, Oh, I could never, I could never get through that. If my spouse ever cheated on me, I would, I'd be out of there. But Mm. Um, but there's so much hope, you know, for brokenness. I mean, we live in such a, a broken world and, um, the most beautiful thing is seeing what God can do in the brokenness, uh, with the strength that we don't have, but in, in his strength mm-hmm. and to truly trust him. I think something that you said too, about suffering is we live in a society that does everything we possibly can do to eliminate suffering, um, to shy away from it, to go in the opposite direction. 
And the Bible speaks very differently about <laughs> count it all joy uh, when you suffer, when you face many trials. Uh, so there's multiple places in the Bible where we see fruit, beautiful fruit coming out of suffering. And I wish that people would hear that message as a whole. Mm. And then when we experience a difficulty in our life, that then we would say, oh, this is my opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we have a saying in our house mm-hmm. that we say, we dare to thank you, God, for the opportunity to trust you more. So when mm-hmm. suffering comes in our life, we dare to thank you, God, for the opportunity to trust you more. And that's important because those are like these moments of suffering, even these deepest sufferings are moments of opportunity for God to show up and do mighty things. Mm-hmm. I love that you used uh, the imagery of fruit because that is a symbol that's used in in the scriptures, right? The fruit of the spirit. This, these agricultural metaphors are used all the time. And if you think about it, um, think about what the process is through which a um, you know a grape has to go in order to eventually be a grape. It's like. There's soil, there's pushing up through that. There's, there's the struggle, so to speak, of like the, all the growth that has to happen before you actually get the fruit is a great picture of the mm-hmm. idea of, hey, this isn't, it's not like it's just arbitrary, random suffering without purpose. Um, so can you talk now, because we are specifically talking about a couple that has faced some kind of infidelity, and now they're having to figure out what do we do next? Can you talk about a little bit where, you know, because you got to start somewhere. So in the book, you know, you start with this idea of confession. But can you talk especially about the early stages, maybe even the first, you know, few months? What are some really, really key things for a couple to understand are so vital at the beginning? And then we'll move to some other things that are part of the journey later on. Hmm. I think it's vital uh, for a couple to lean in, even when it doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, to begin before you feel like beginning. Uh, Because often we want to feel like trying before we actually try. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's something that you can count on uh, our feelings. Our feelings are indicators of -hmm. of things, but they are not meant to lead us. Um, They're they're meant to be helpful, uh, but sometimes they're hurtful. And they will stop us from doing things. Like I didn't necessarily, when we began our process of restoration, I didn't necessarily always feel like being forgiving. Uh, I didn't feel like restoring. I I had a hard time understanding how I was experiencing uh, two separate emotions at the same time, Mm -hmm. love and hate. I genuinely was feeling both of those very strongly, you know, sometimes in the same moment. It was confusing. And so... I needed to begin before I felt like beginning. I mean, I would also say a a huge thing uh, in the beginning is that, you know, trust is broken and, and trust is like a, like a one way light switch, right? I mean, you could turn it off very quickly, but you can't turn it back on at a moment's notice. I mean, it's something Mm -hmm. that takes a long time to rebuild. And it's, as we say, it's favorable, favorable behavior over time. It's the only way you're going to get trust back. And so, you know, when, when the reveal happened in with the reveal of the affair, you know, 
I laid everything out on the table. I confessed. And, and then it was like, well, you said you forgave me. And so now we should trust each other. You know, like now we should go back to, you know, everything's out in the open and now we're good, you know. And, and that just wasn't the case at all. And it took a long time, a lot longer than I anticipated um, it taking. But it was so worth it to get through that and really build a relationship uh, much, much deeper than we ever had before. I mean, people talk about going through things that are this traumatic in their marriage and kind of put it up against like when you're when you're in battle with somebody. It's like you form that bond that, you know, that uh, wouldn't be there unless you went through a traumatic time together. And our marriage definitely changed. So you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things there. Trust is about this, you know, favorable behavior over time. You talk about this taking longer than you imagined. Can you can you drill down a little bit to what did you do? What what did that look like practically, in terms of saying, "Oh man, I discovered," you know, Steve, you're like, "I discovered, hey, just because forgiveness was granted didn't automatically flip that trust switch back on." So what were some of those specific things that happened over that longer than you expected period of time to rebuild trust? Yeah. I mean, we did a few things that we do talk about them in the book a little bit. Um, one of the things that that we used to do, um, we created a trust sheet. And this is, this is pretty, uh, I don't know. Old school. Um, old school. <laughs> maybe we, the, well, it was like a, ch- it was a chart. <laughs> yeah. we, we made a chart. Uh, of trust building activities Mm -hmm. that would help me to trust him. And because I had a very short term memory at the time and really seemed to focus on the negative versus the positive, uh, it was really Steve's idea to create the chart so that he could check off things that he was doing that was positive. And that sounds, you know, kind of remedial or some people might call it crazy, but Mm -hmm. it was super helpful for us. And on the chart were all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, we would have a conversation about what would, you know, build trust in our relationship. And whenever I would do them, I would, you know, mark it off on the sheet. And then she could look at the sheet whenever she was feeling like she couldn't trust me. And it, it would be one of the things that she could do. And, and that was a way that we built trust uh, m- probably faster than we would have otherwise. And they were very specific things practically as far as, you know, um, well, because he had been lying to me for a year and a half, uh, about his whereabouts, about who he was with, where he was. Um, he was, you know, a, a good example is he had a commute. And so he would talk to his affair partner on his commute. And, uh, so instead of talking to her, I was on the phone with him on, both of his commutes to work and from work. So from the moment he left our driveway, we would be on the phone until he pulled into work. And that was one of those trust building activities that I needed. I needed to know that he, that the times that he had been spending time with her or talking to her, he was now with me. And so they were, um, you know, I would have him, uh, I would ask him to take a picture. This was before phones, you know, had GPS on, you know, you could track people. Um, I would ask him to take a picture of himself at random times, you know, like, where are you really right now? And he would take a picture and I would see where he was. And that was a trust building activity. And it sounds to some people, when we first explain this, it sounds like I was babysitting him, Mm -hmm. like he was in prison, um, that I'm watching over my husband. Um, 
all of those things were things that we had to do to start that ball rolling. And gradually those things diminished because trust was being built. And so they weren't required. Yeah. And what I love about what you guys are saying in particular is that you created something that was visible, that was tangible, but also that was personal. Uh, it was based on your needs, Lisa, to be able to say. So I think couples need to hear that because sometimes they feel like, okay, so Steve and Lisa have gone through this journey and now they're going to take their formula and they're just going to overlay it onto our relationship and think it's plug and play. Can you talk about why it's so important that as you are helping other couples think about this as a journey, that it needs all those elements. It needs tangible things. It needs visual things. It needs personal things. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so necessary to the journey so people can feel like they're owning their own relationship and not just mm -hmm. trying to relive Steve and Lisa's relationship? Yeah, well, you know, ultimately, you know, our story is how God worked in our lives and in the, the journey that he took us through. Um, and that's what we tell in our book in the truth that we found, you know, through that time. And what we found is that people, whether, whether they're going through infidelity or whether they want to read the book as just, uh, you know, for their own marriage or just to hear a good God story. Um, you know, they're, they're taking bits and pieces out of it and making it their own. The, the book is not necessarily, uh, you know, you need to do steps one, two, three, and four, and then you'll have a happy marriage. You know, it's more about, um, the things that, that we did, the truth that God revealed to us and what the results were of that. Mm -hmm. And when the, the couples that we serve, we will talk to them about what does trust look like to you? Mm -hmm. What would help you trust him more or trust her more? And they will answer in ways that are different from our story. And, and there might be even more extreme uh, measures that, that need to be taken in certain circumstances. But it is very important that people understand that they, they have um, agency in their story. They have agency in, in this restoration. Like God is beautiful in the way that he guides, uh, but they have to walk. Uh, mm -hmm. And so part of walking on his path is laying out a foundation of what is going to work for us and what isn't. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I don't think there is uh, a, a proven kind of pathway necessarily other than God's word. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for us, that's what we have based our path on is, is what does God's word say and how can we follow that? And how does that fit into what happens through an infidelity restoration process? Yeah, no. And one of the things that we know, uh, just because you can observe it in any couple that starts going down this journey of restoration after infidelity is you can be pretty certain that there's two things that are going to pop up as challenges or struggles. One is going to be fear and the other is going to be doubt. Can you talk a little bit about how in your own journey, you navigated those two very real common feelings that come up on this journey mm -hmm. and, and what you also try to offer to couples as far as hope when it comes to the fears that come up and even some of the doubt of like, we don't know what we're doing. Is this, is this the right direction? You know, how do we know? Mm. Well, I can say one mm. of Steve's fears, and you could speak to this, it was mm -hmm. the fear that he married the wrong person, you know, that he was choosing incorrectly. Mm. And you might be able to speak to that a little bit. 
because that's real. Uh, it's easy to talk about my fears, right? Uh, you know, the, the fear of him doing it again, or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the concept of once a cheater, always a cheater. Um, those might be the fears that we might talk about, but something that we tend to focus on with our couples is that it is a real thing that you had a relationship with a person and right. that you developed feelings for that person. And that caused fear and doubt for our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that, um, so you have, you have to understand too, that in our story and, and you, you would learn this by reading the book, but I came to Christ after this. So mm-hmm. when this happened, I was not a believer and I thought for sure that Lisa was going to kick me out of the house, that our marriage was going to be over, that, you know, it, it was done. Um, and when she said, I love you, we can make it through this. It was, I, I didn't even know what to do with that, except that I felt this amazing, uh, just undeserved forgiveness that I had never felt before. Mm. And all of a sudden I had this, um, desire to fight for my marriage and felt like, even though I didn't really understand what was happening, I felt like it was a divine moment. Mm. So, um, and then, so after that point, I mean, sure, I had some some doubts. I mean, you know, when you stop an affair, there is a very real withdrawal that happens because, like for me, I was spending every day, multiple times a day, communicating with somebody else for you know a year and a half, right? And then all of a sudden, that stopped, and that relationship was done. And I went through some pretty serious withdrawal after that one um, that was particularly horrible um, that my wife had to console me through. And if, if you can even, you know, believe that, um, it was really hard times. Uh, like you said earlier, like this, this was not just like, poof, everything's great. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we went through some really difficult times, lots of tears um, and and honestly, it was um, trusting in God and leading on His on His strength. But as it as it comes to like um, knowing if I'm with the right person, I once I started reading the Bible and and you know, and I was saved and really making Scripture just the authority in my life. And um, I believe wholeheartedly that that God put us together and that I was with the right person. Mm. So. For me, the like fear and doubt came in the the idea of the future. I had never, hmm. I had never. Uh, I, I'm a planner. I love the future. I love planning for the future. And so I experienced darkness when I saw the. I could not see future in in the grief of the moment and days and weeks and months. You know, through the process, and so that was very scary for me. Um, that fear was real. I, I had a hard time envisioning the future because it felt so heavy, uh, to me. And, and so that was, those were difficult moments that we ultimately ended up having to prepare for, uh, when I, when I kind of dipped into those moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, as we have a few minutes left here, I want to just give you an opportunity to just share anything else that either from the book or just as you're thinking through, okay, what, what are some really key elements that I would want somebody to know who is trying to navigate even deciding 
whether or not to work on regist- uh, re- restoration. What would be some of the things that you would want to say to that individual or those couples out there that are that are in that space right now? I would say right from the start, don't make any rash decisions in in that moment, even in the first weeks. Um, it's really easy to just kind of uh, freak out and and want to run away uh, because it's painful and it's hard and and you are filled with doubts in those moments. And I would resist that. Resist uh, the urge to make quick decisions. Um, allow the Lord to open your mind to the possibility of restoration. And that takes time. Um, God isn't usually super fast. Um, he's a little bit more slow and steady. Uh, and so I would say, please don't make any rash decisions, but really um, be thoughtful and mindful of the fact that you are grieving in that moment. Mm-hmm. Both of you are in some way. And and that it will take time and begin before you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say grieving is a good way to, to, to talk about it because it grieving is different for each person. Every, everybody's going to experience that differently. And, um, you know, taking time, one thing that we, you know, that we work on with our couples, especially the new ones that come to us is that we have them slow down, especially when it comes to, uh, who they're telling and who they're getting advice from. Mm. Because that that plays a big role, a, spe- a very pivotal role in the beginning of the healing. And so slowing down, making sure that um, that that you're choosing your people wisely and getting the the right resources and specifically resources that are going to point you toward reconciliation in your marriage. Because there are so many out there that just want you to you know, be the happiest person you can be. And that might not include your spouse. And and that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been so good. And I know we've only sort of scratched the surface. I mean, after all, you've, you, you guys, uh, condensed down a 15 year journey into a 30 minute podcast. So there's a lot more. And, and that's why I want to encourage listeners to go get the book because there's so much more about the story and, one of the things that I just want to say about the book that I really appreciated is the like the 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 journey milestones and things like that that you did at the end of each chapter and and so listeners I really encourage you this is a very um, it's interesting I want to say it's a very practical book but not in the way that you often think of practicality in terms of like oh what are the steps it's practical it's practical in the sense that you guys through your story are going to lead to these little landing points that then can have great specific application to the reader in wherever they are in their story. And so that's what I mean by practical. It's not about taking some kind of steps and then just sort of transposing them into the reader's story. It's about saying, hey, we're on a journey. These are some landmarks. This is like a compass for being able to help you get some direction. And then what would that look like in your story? So Hmm. can you share with our listeners where they can go to get more resources from y'all, and of course, where they can get the book. The book is at thejourneytostay.com. Our ministry is staysidebyside.org. Um, we are on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. and but if you go to thejourneytostay.com, you can find the book, and that will connect you with our ministry as well. Yeah. 
Well, Steve and Lisa, I am so um, uh, glad that you guys have been with us. It's been exciting. You know, it's interesting because even even the the way you guys look and sound today is different from four years ago when you were on. So there's, let me just encourage you and um, let you know that I've even seen uh, growth and even more joy. And so it's <laughs> exciting to see that as you guys continue the journey. So thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank, thank you so much. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're going to put all of those uh, links and all the information that was shared there in the show notes so that you can go get the book. Um, and also learn more about Steve and Lisa and their ministry. I highly encourage you, wherever you are in kind of that either decision phase around what to do next in your relationship, or maybe you've been sort of just limping along, um, just kind of existing in your marriage and not knowing really what are some specific things that we can do to try to heal. I encourage you to go to Steve and Lisa's ministry, and we'll put all that in the show notes. Um, we want to help you take your next best step. So please reach out to us and we'll help you do that. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.